Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. It is the 16th of May, 2021, and episode number 36 of the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God. We uh, really welcome everyone this morning to the broadcast and uh, are looking forward to this chapter, which is a phenomenal teaching chapter concerning uh, some of the most powerful doctrines of the of the church the resurrection being of course uh, one which is a pivotal doctrine but we find that Jesus explains the whole idea of resurrection and takes it away from our typical understanding of resurrection uh, makes it much more understandable as uh, is necessary for each one of us. But nonetheless, uh, we left off last week with Jesus leaving Jerusalem and going beyond the Jordan where John had been baptizing and staying there out of Judea. Uh, by the way, friends, uh, our uh, our notes for this lesson will be published, uh, but somehow they didn't quite make it through the internet to uh, to get typed in and uh, and put up and posted on the page. So, but we will get that because there's things in here I'd like you to print out and keep as far as uh, a timeline. Now, this. Uh, this time that Jesus spent after leaving Jerusalem uh, over the Jordan, as it was called, was uh, beyond the Jordan, right? In, in other words, uh, it's about AD 30. Now, note this. Jesus had only five months left in his earthly ministry. Then he would be crucified. That's my timeline here. But I'll give you some specifics, how would I base this on. So this is a brief timeline, and it's based on the birth of Christ being 1 or 2 B.C. Because I, uh, because of the, the issue of the crucifixion and the resurrection occurring in A.D. 31, AD 31 is the only year that has the days of the weeks proper for the three days and three nights in the grave. So uh, AD 31, because of where the Sabbath was located in that week, and then the next, then the uh, regular Sabbath on Saturday came after. In other words, the Passover. 
this is the only year that it works out. And there's astronomical, uh, astronomical, I guess you'd call it, um, evidence of the uh, of everything I, I've said here. It's, it's just a very good dating system, and it's based on this. His birth, 1 or 2 B.C., crucifixion, resurrection, A.D. 31. So, from the Bible, then, we can say A.D. 27 is when Jesus and John, who, remember, was about six months older, so it was, they had different times they uh, probably when they were 30 years old is when they began their ministry, as cu- the uh, custom was. Jesus and John the Immerser began their their work uh, to prepare the people for the kingdom of God, right? That's what the Bible says. That's A.D. 27. A.D. 29, Jesus visits Jerusalem according to the Gospel of John, for the first time. John 5.1 is where we find that. You remember that, John 5.1. Now, in A.D. 30, the next year, Jesus again visits Jerusalem, as we have been studying for the last couple of months anyway. John chapter 7 through the 10th chapter, three full chapters of that of that visit, um, and, and I think that's uh, very interesting. And then A.D. 30, l- late in the year, December, after Jesus had departed uh, possibly for a short time, A.D. 30, or maybe early A.D. 31, like in January, during the winter, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. That's when this occurred. And then A.D. 31, uh, as a way of understanding the chronology of John, in A.D. 31, that's the year, the very year that Jesus uh, raised Lazarus, uh, was arrested, was crucified, was resurrected, and ascended back to his father, all of this occurs between starting with chapter 11 through chapter 21. All of it occurred from December A.D. 30 to approximately May A.D. 31. Five, five or six months. That's the timeline I see here. And I used a couple of, um, uh, not only the Bible, but I used some uh, a couple of uh, harmonies. And uh, John is more condensed uh, for in, in for the periods that as, as you see here just a it's almost a running account here in the last five six months now remember what it says in John chapter 30 uh, or John chapter 20 rather uh, verse 31 here's what it says these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. You see, our, our chronologies here are all part of the learning experience. I think it makes it more vivid. It certainly makes it more, uh, brings it a little better to our remembrance when we think about these things. A, a few, you know, we all know that Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry, approximately three and a half years, thereabouts. But you know how we start dating this? Because the Bible makes it very clear that in the 15th year of Tiberius, John the Immerser began to teach. Now, you see, there's no question about the, the dates of the emperors of Rome, although they are all famous for uh, claiming the year before they began, and then they're given credit sometimes for even the year after they were gone to give two more years. Uh, Nonetheless, like I say, these dates can be off a year or so, such as the birth of Christ and all this. But 
were very close as far as in uh, the way I, I back it all up. I back it from there are certain points in the Bible that you can get a very specific time, such as astronomically, uh, as far as the 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 mathematics of measurement in the sky, the day that Moses held the staff in in the air and 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 the sun stayed where it was and he had to have help holding it up after a while uh, that date because of the other information given in in the scriptures that date has been pinpointed many years ago and from that date because we know of the situation we get a, we get good handles on where uh, these, when these things occurred uh, w- within a year or two. So that's how we, uh, we do it. That's how I do it, and that's how the people that are doing this very accurately do it also. So I wanted you to have that uh, because um, we're going to be on a run here from Chapter 11 to the end. Uh, and we're going to see all the things that transpired, mostly conversation between Jesus and the, and the twelve, the soon-to-be uh, apostles, uh, the teachings. Uh, even in chapter 11, even though the apostles aren't mentioned when they find Lazarus, they are beforehand, and, and it's part of the lesson. And they are witnesses, eyewitnesses to these things, the things that Jesus did. I just think it's a wonderful thing. So uh, let's look at our lesson uh, today. John 11, the first 16 verses is how we can break it down. And if we're fortunate, we'll be able to go clear through to the 27th. But uh, we'll see how the time holds out for us today. John 11, 1 And there was a certain one ailing, Lazarus, from Bethany, of the village of Mary and Martha, uh, her sister. Now, these were siblings here, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And it was Mary who did anoint the Lord with ointment and did wipe his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ailing. Now remember the account where um, this was a very expensive ointment uh, that was being used and uh, there was some uh, criticism uh, that it was a waste and this sort of thing and Jesus made it very clear what she was doing would not be forgotten as it isn't. Just here we see it again. So this family was probably a prominent family in the area. Verse 3, Therefore sent the sisters unto him, saying, Sir, lo, he whom thou dost love is ailing. And Jesus, having heard, said, This ailment is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, making this a clarification. And Jesus was loving Martha and and her sister and Lazarus. When, therefore, he heard that he was ailing, then indeed he remained in the place in which he was for two days. That is, two more days after he had heard. Then... After this, he saith to his disciples, We may go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, now were the Jews seeking, now were the Jews seeking to stone thee, and again thou dost go hither, or thither, rather. Verse nine. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours? In the day, and anyone, if anyone may walk in the day, 
he doth not stumble, because the light of this world he doth see. By the way, this is a reference, a double reference, of course, to the obvious. You need light to see where you're going. But Jesus is the light of the world, as he has, has been declared. In verse 10, he goes on, And if anyone may walk in the night, he stumbleth, because the light is not in him. Now, you see, here's the key to the idea of verse 9. The light is not in him. You see, uh, that's the reference to the Son of God being in one and that person having light. Nonetheless, let's go on. Verse 11. These things he said, and after this he saith to them, Lazarus, our friend, hath fallen asleep. But I go on that I may awaken him. Therefore his disciples saith, Sir, if he hath fallen asleep, he will be saved. That word saved there, it differs from uh, some of our versions. Uh, some w- uh, say he will, be, he will be well, or made well. Uh, and we'll, we'll check that out. Um, verse 13. But Jesus had spoken about his death. But they thought that about the repose of sleep he speaketh. Then therefore Jesus saith to them freely, Lazarus has died. And I rejoice for your sake that you may believe that I was not there, but we may go to him. Verse 16. Therefore said Thomas, we, uh, who is called uh, Demias to the fellow disciples we may go we also that we may die with him alright let's pause there you know in verses 1 and 2 here we, we get the idea of the friendship okay uh, of um, that Jesus has with this family, okay? And uh, Jesus knows these friends from Bethany. You know, Bethany is only about two miles, maybe three, miles southeast of Jerusalem, very close to Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is, on, is beyond the Jordan to the, north, uh, the northwest, uh, some distance away. It would take some time to walk it. Also, these uh, Martha, Mary, and, and uh, Lazarus are his disciples. In other words, they are his students. They have been listening to his words. For it is clear that, well, for one thing, the sisters sent for Jesus to come. But they, they believe that he is God's Messiah because of the things that he has done. How close they've been to a lot of Jesus' um, gatherings and miracles and things, we just don't know. But it's very possible they certainly could have been so close to Jerusalem. And, of course, they would have been there for the feasts and the things that were required of the Jews. Then in verse 3, we have a phrase here. He whom you love. He whom you love. There's another phrase in the Bible, very close to this. uh, The disciple whom he loved, or the disciple whom he loves. Speaking of Jesus, but two different people. Now, I think um, this phrase, "He, he whom you love, uh, really begs a little bit of a study on this word love. You know, there's a various, many various Greek um, meanings for the word love. And 
unfortunately, this is one of, one of the words in, the, in our Bible, the New Testament especially, that has caused so much confusion because our English word love, I mean, what are we talking about? You know, in our vernacular, it's used many different ways. Maybe the context that we put it in in our vernacular sentences, we know what we're speaking of, but many times here, we don't. So the phrase um, is uh, very interesting here. Now let's look at it this way. John 11.3, John 11.3, we, we find um, whom thou dost love. Uh, in other words, Lazarus, right? Also in 11.36, 11.36, the people, uh, a little later on, we're not going to make it even here today, but the Jews therefore said, Lo, how he was loving him. That's speaking of how Jesus loved Lazarus. Now what's this, this word mean? Well, this is the Greek word philo, or we call it sometimes Philadelphia, uh, but it's it like brotherly love. But really it's, it's friendship, uh, a personal attachment, uh, sentiment, uh, uh, feeling, a sort of thing, brotherly love, a friend. This was Lazarus to Jesus when they spoke of it. Now, let me give you the other other point, uh, the other illustration. John 21, verse 7 and 20. John 21, verse 7 and 20. Okay, in, in uh, 21, it says, That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus was loving, saith to Peter, The Lord it is. Simon Peter, therefore, having heard it, that it was the Lord, did gird on the outer coat, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Remember, they were out fishing. The disciple, therefore, whom Jesus was loving. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And then in verse 20, And Peter, having turned about, doth see the disciple whom Jesus was loving following, who also reclined in the supper and on his breast, saying, Sir, who is he who delivered thee up? You see, tying the whole thing together. We're talking about a certain apostle, aren't we? And then let's look at um, verse uh, 19, or, uh, chapter 19 in John, verse 26. This occurs when Jesus is on the cross. And he looks down. Jesus, therefore, having seen his mother and the disciple standing by whom he was loving, he saith to his mother, Woman, lo, thy son. And afterwards he saith to the disciple, Lo, thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. That is John, the apostle. Okay, now is the loving a friend here? What is the Greek word for this loving? Well, this is the Greek word agape, which is, by the way, a, a, a Greek word that was not used in the Septuagint. It's not used in some of the other books, even in the New Testament. It did not exist until God sent his only begotten son into the world. And now we have it. Um, number 25, for you Strong's number fans, uh, is, a, is a very um, famous one. And then at 25, it's used either as a noun or it can be a verb. But it's um, agape, the highest expression of love, just to briefly tell you what it means. So it's more than just friendship, isn't it? Okay. There's always an element of sacrifice or willing to sacrifice tied to it. Right. That's right. 
this is the highest expression of love and you can just imagine what that entails, okay? Now, to throw a blanket over all of this, let's look at let's look again at John 11:5 where it says what did what did it say? John 11:5 It says, and Jesus was loving Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do you know that that is the word agape? Because we're talking about, we're talking about two different things here, aren't we? Even though the, our English Bibles say the same word, this is two different situations. This is Jesus' love for those three was agape. And yet, the idea of friendship was also there. But we don't have it in our English. Um, so, this, uh, th- this reminds me of a study that, that you, could, you could have for yourself. But make sure you do it using the Greek words. A study in John 21, where Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him three times. That scripture needs to be known by every Christian and understood for what the word love means in each case. And why Jesus did such a thing. It's all there. We don't have time to do it today. But if we, if we just read it from the English, it reminds me of a discussion I had with a man once that could not understand how I could say that word meant something else in, in those those cases, but he just didn't understand the uh, original language. He was going by the context. Well, there's a lot of keys in the context there, too. But we need to use the original language to discern these things in a way that is appropriate for real study. Now, in verse 4, uh, again, uh, Jesus is, uh, is saying this, that he is going to wake Lazarus. And because of that, and because of that, uh, the glory of God and the Son of Man may be clearly seen. Okay, that, that's, um, uh, you know, Jesus says here, this ailment is not unto death. Well, didn't Lazarus die a physical death? He did. But you see, here again we have the concept what death was meant to Jesus and what it went, meant to people. There's a, there's a real difference here. Um, so, but instead, his, his death as it was seen and witnessed by the people there was going to be for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And that is exactly what happens because of this account that we're going to be studying. I just think that's sensational. Um, But here again, we've had this many times, haven't we? Remember the healing of the blind man? Was it not to elevate the Lord? didn't elevate the blind man. He received his sight. That was a wonderful for him, but he wasn't thought well of. Matter of fact, he was despised. Thrown out of the synagogue. But at least he could see his way to leave. And it didn't matter what they did. He knew something that they refused to believe. Here we find the things that are occurring are going to bring... Uh, glory, glorify God, the name of God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Then in verse 6, um, what they heard is, uh, well, Jesus stayed two days after hearing the report on Lazarus, but why, you see? Uh, he remained two days. Well, Jesus had foreknowledge of the entire situation where no one else did. And, you know, he was, uh, he would have been criticized. Uh, he would have been 
they probably wondered where he was because he was two days late in getting there. Although Lazarus, when he, when he did arrive, he'd already been in the grave for four days anyway. Nonetheless, Jesus did this so that no one would ever think that Jesus was there before he died, as they called it. And that his apostles also knew that Jesus was, had nothing to do with this, but he was going to do something about it. Now, you know, as you remember in verses 8 through 10, the, um, the disciples are very worried about returning to Jerusalem, returning to Judea, because Jesus was, had been threatened to be stoned. Ill, there was ill feelings. And Jesus is given a teaching here in verse 9 about 12 hours in the day, being walking in the light, and he is the light of this world. You know, in these verses, the disciples of Jesus had not yet learned a lesson that we can learn much easier by looking back on these things. And that lesson is this, where Jesus leads, you must follow. You know, that's, I think that's probably in a couple of our hymns even. I've heard the phrase before, where he leads, I will follow. That's, that's the safest thing you could ever say, where Jesus leads you, you can follow. That's a safe trip, all right? Because at the end of that trip, you're still with Jesus. And that's where you want to be. And then the verses 11 through 15, Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. And of course, Jesus was referring to the idea of sleep as being uh, uh, dying. But the disciples thought that he was only sleeping, not dead. But then Jesus informed them, of course, that no, Jesus did say that he is dead. And this, of course, um, he would know, and of course they couldn't have known. But he told them so, and, and I'm sure they accepted that as truth. But he also told them that it was going to be a blessing to them and it would, it would actually uh, it would build their faith because they're going to see the power of God and they're going to see Jesus uh, of Nazareth seen as the one that raises from the dead, that he is sent from God and he is the prophesied Messiah of God for these are the things that the Messiah would do. In verse 16, here we see the ever-apprehensive Thomas predict the gloom of the whole company. <laughs> He's, uh, he certainly is uh, down-to-earth in his thinking patterns. Um, he just sees certain doom for all of them if they go back to, to Judea, especially Jerusalem. Bethany being only two miles away. What if someone sees them? You know, all the scenarios. He's very, very concerned about this. But we don't see Jesus responding to his concern. They simply left and went that way. That says a lot, doesn't it? And Thomas didn't stay behind, by the way. The account makes it clear that they all, they all went. So... That's the beginning of this, this account. Um, verses 17 through 27, we find um, the issues that are, are occurring before the actual uh, act is accomplished by Jesus, and I don't think we'll be able to go get there today. But in verses 17 through 27, we're going to find Jesus speaking to Martha, uh, some very in, important words, I think some of the most important words in the New Testament 
concerning Christians, Christianity, who Jesus is, um, the, uh, the, the being born from anew, and the whole concept of being in Christ. And the boldness of a believer oh, who, yeah. with no hesitation, That's right. answered. That's right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to say that, you know, Thomas made a comment here, but all of these men, all of these men that would become apostles were very comfortable men in their own skin, as they call it now. They were comfortable with their position. They were, they were righteous men. They were godly men. And they, they would speak. They would speak. Uh, they had concerns. And, and, and they also spoke great praises towards Jesus. And a devotion that is un, that is uh, really admirable. And here we're going to find that that Martha has the exact same feelings towards Jesus. You know, she's a Jewish girl, a woman. She's convinced that Jesus is the Messiah of God, the the promised Messiah, and this overwhelms her. Now, she's just had a, the death of her brother, and this is a great stress to her. Let's see what's said, and then we'll think about the words. Jesus, therefore, having come, in other words, the trip is over, found him having been four days already in the tomb. And Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem about 15 furlong off. By the way, I like the word nigh here because, you know, in Christendom, the word nigh can mean thousands of years. But it seems in a practical sense it means close by. Now, which are you going to choose? I think we have to stick with, with, with the grammar. Right. Very close. And many of the Jews had come unto Martha and Mary that they might comfort them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus doth come, met him. And Mary kept sitting in the house. So we have a different, two different personalities of these ladies. We already know that from the previous accounts. They're, they're dealing with this in a different way. Martha therefore said unto Jesus, Sir, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now that's her faith right there. But even now, I have known that whatever you, whatever thou mayest ask of God, God will give to thee. By the way, there's a Greek word there where we have the English ask. And this is not, uh, sometimes uh, there's a, an understanding that this is, this is the asking um, of, actually, um, how do I say this? Uh, some people use the word beg. But it has the idea of, of a lesser asking a more mighty a person of position, which would have been appropriate for her, but Jesus never uses this in him, his reference of him asking God. He always uses the, another Greek word um, that doesn't have that sort of connotation. There's another word where sometimes used that means demand. But this is the this is the word that she uses that's more beg or call for. This isn't the word that we usually use for the word petition. It isn't. Although it's like a petition. It it in, is in a sense. It, it, yeah. It, well, I'm not I'm not saying it is not used for a petition. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it could be under the the, the certain context. Yeah. 
but there's a little uncertainty on, on how these words are used and some debate over it. But she's making it clear that if Jesus would ask, um, and that's the word, thou will ask. Uh, that's a verb. So, all right, let's move on then. I just wanted to bring that up because there's, that's, uh, that's quite a concept there. Because if Jesus asks God, his Father, God will give it to thee. I think she's probably heard Jesus say these things. Maybe even perform it. Because God, Jesus prayed to God that the 5,000 would be fed. You know? And, and things of this sort. They have an understanding of that. And their, their understanding of what Jesus does as a delegated from heaven, from the Father, is a lot clearer to them than it is to Christian people today, unfortunately. I, I, wish, it were, I wish it were understood better. Because it gives it gives us more light, if you will. So let's move on. She's asking that that if Jesus would ask the Father that He would give him um, give him whatever He asks, and of course she's and this is in reference to her brother. <laughs> she wants him restored. But Jesus saith to her in verse twenty three, Thy brother shall rise again. Um, the word rise again is appropriate. It means, you know, stand up, resurrection, all the same thing. Martha saith to him, I have known that he will rise again. In the rising again in the last day. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Jesus saith, say to her, I am the rising again. I am the resurrection as we read it normally in our English. And the life. He who is believing in me, even if he may die, shall live. And everyone who is living and believing in me shall not die to the age. Verse 27. Believest thou this? That's what Jesus asked Martha. She saith to him, Yes, sir, I have believed that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. It was actually present with her at that time. So she's saying that he has been sent, sent from heaven. All right. In verses 20 through 22, as we just read, it's very clear that Martha knows who she is talking to. She knows that this is the Christ. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He's the, the miracle worker. He's the anointed of God. And she's seeking to restore her brother, Lazarus, making it clear to him, to Jesus, that if you'd have just been here, he would not have died. Well, she d wouldn't know that, of course. For many people were dying every day. I, I think that she refused to question what he could and could not do. I do. I think she believed he could do anything, and in fact, he could, in light of uh, being sent from God. That's true. This is showing her her strength of faith that she has. But you know, she had faith in God before she ever met Jesus of Nazareth. But he made it clear to her by the things he, that he did that he was from God. See, this was the obvious thing that Jesus is trying to deal with the Jews of, of that day. The obvious thing is these things are from God. They can only be from God. And because I'm speaking them, you have to understand I am from God. But that was a bitter pill for the arrogant leaders of Israel at that time. And in verse 24, the Jewish people knew of the last day. Remember what she said? 
I have known. In other words, this is something she already knew, that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Our problem today is the church doesn't understand what the last day is. The last day is sometime in the future. But the last day to the Jewish people would come some 40 years later. They didn't know exactly when it would be, but that was the day. They knew. But here's the key. But here's the key. They knew of the last day. They knew of the resurrection at the time of the last day. And they also knew that the Messiah of God would be present at the last day. Why do you suppose the theologians of the Jewish people then to, to say for a fact that Jesus was God's Messiah meant that the days were to an end. The days were not, it was close at hand. And so they understood that. And uh, what I, I had in my notes here, I just wrote, what she had known is nearly a mystery to the church today. The things that we should know and understand what Martha knew. We should know and understand what the Jewish people knew was true from the scriptures. If we don't know what they knew, then how can we assume that we know anything about our faith? That's why it's so important that these things be known and studied by the church. Now when we look at verse 25 through 27, Jesus making these extremely strong proclamations. I am the resurrection and the life. Not just one, but both, you see, as we find in John 14, 6. So, If he is the resurrection, if we as Christians are in Christ, do we not live in the resurrection power? We are not dead. We will not die. How can you die when when you're in Christ? You see the, the logic of it? And we're so, I mean, we're so worried about being, uh, about dying. We're, we're completely off track. I am the resurrection and the life. So if you're in Christ, what is it you're worried about? He who is believing in me, even if he may die, shall live. So, you know, Jesus is wrapping it all up from one end to the other and tying it tight. He goes on, and everyone who is living and believing in me shall not die unto the age. He's talking about the end of days again for the Jewish people. Remember, Jesus is not talking to the Gentiles here at this time. He's speaking to the Jews and them alone. He's not even talking to the church. He's not talking to the Christians. We're looking at this as historical, and it should also be doctrinal. Unfortunately, it's not. Is as it should be. And then Jesus asked the question that we should be able to ask any person that's a Christian. Believest thou this? You see, Jesus knew this was hard to, hard to take it all in. And he wanted to know if she believed it. Well, you know, when Jesus spoke it, Martha believed it. She saith to him, yes, sir. Um, And the word sir there, I think, um, I think it's Lord. Uh, And, and, um, or uh, Master, it is Lord. I don't know why um, uh, Young's uses the word sir in, in in this. But basically the word sir means Lord. Remember, uh, Young is is a uh, uh, he's Scottish, 
he's a he's a uh, he's a, a professor in Aberdeen, Scotland, and he teaches the Bible. Uh, and the word "sir" to him in, in the in the place he lives means Lord. Okay, it's an English word, but she said Lord. And, uh, and she understood that what Lord meant. It means master, owner, one having the, the, actual, the actual power of life and death. And by the way, that was the same as, as situation in Great Britain during those years, is that that sort of person did have the power of life and death over the people. So it all ties together. Yes, sir, I have believed that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. Let's go to that word coming and see which one there's used. So it, we, is, it is Erechimai. Erechimai. It is, uh, it's also in the middle voice. It's in the middle voice, meaning that Jesus came uh, on his own volition. But it, but it is a, a place. It is the idea of, um, of going from heaven to the abode of men, earth. And, and that, that's a proper usage and understanding of it in the middle voice. That's very good. Martha believes, as Alex said here, Martha believes every word from the Lord's mouth, as we all should. And that's why, we, uh, that's why we're so blessed to have the Word of God to ponder these things and build our, our faith. She doesn't skirt around the point. She doesn't dance around it. She doesn't hesitate. It's that's right. It's all all at once. No extra words. Not a string of adjectives. Just the, just right down to it. Right to it. I have believed, and that's pretty much it. Okay. So we're gonna draw, We're gonna stop there. We gotta stop somewhere. Uh, we could go on, of course, for a long time, but next week, Lord willing, we will pick up and we're going to find out what happens and all the things that follow. And this is, this is the time coming very close to the very end of the ministry of Jesus, as I have said. Um, uh, hopefully we'll get this, uh, this uh, little uh, timeline uploaded and uh, so you can have it go over it yourself check it out and of course there's any comments on it we'd be interested in it but we bid you a good day and pray that you will be uh, useful to the kingdom and useful to the Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray amen Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.